and say, you're gifted. You're so gifted. You are so gifted. And we're not saying that sarcastically. We're saying that with, like, real emphasis and passion. You are so gifted. This is our theme. Gifted. What does gifted mean? Having exceptional talent, a natural ability. But then we added to Google's definition a spiritual ability. So having exceptional talent, natural, and a good, massive, ginormous spiritual ability. So having the definition, now to your neighbor and say, and it's okay if it's an imaginary neighbor, say, you are gifted. So my title today, which I'm super excited, is Stirring It Up. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to stir it up. It's time to stir it up. Yes, it is. It is time to stir it up. So if you have your Bibles, our first text is 1 Corinthians 12, 27, and it says this. All of you together... Christ's body and each of you is a part of it so tap yourself and say I have a part of it I have a part of it I have a part of it here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church first are apostles second are prophets third are teachers those who do miracles those who have the gift of healing those who can help others those who have the gift of leadership and those who can speak in unknown languages Ask yourself, and what I want you to do, first ask God. God, as I look at these, all these gifts, this is the first one. God, what gifts do I have on here? And then just quickly go through there and say, God, do I have the gift? Do I have a mission? Have you put me on a mission? God, have you given me the gift to speak? Have you given me the gift to being an instructor? God, do you, have you given me the gift of faith to believe for great miracles? God, have you given me the gift in healing, believing, knowing that when I pray someone's healed, they're going to be healed? God, have you given me me the gift to be a servant. God, have you given me the gift to be a leader who can organize, who can plan, who can project? God, have you given me the gift of tongues? Have you given me strength? Have you given me fortitude? So Paul didn't list all the gifts, but what gifts he did list, notice the first one is an apostle. And that's defined as one sent on a mission. I don't know about you, but there are times I definitely feel like I'm on a mission for certain things, right? Yes, there was the 12 apostles. There was the men from the beginning. They had a mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? An apostle, one who sent an in very specific mission. Prophet, someone who feels that they get a word from God, that there's an urge to speak the word of God. Teacher, to be able to instruct, to teach, to train, to explain the Bible clearly. And those three, you know, we commonly see in the church, right? We do see churches, there's pastors who call themselves apostles, prophets, teachers. But I think we're, we're, we're falling short as a church as a whole, is miracles, healing, the gift of serving, and leadership. And that comes from a lot of all of us, right? And I think in here this morning, some of you in here, you have the gift to believe in miracles. You have the gift to pray and believe that when people, when you're saying Jesus may be healed, that they're healed. That they're healed. And I think all of us, because we're all wonderful people, we have the gift of servanthood, right? We all like to serve when it's cool, when it's not hot or humid, right? And some of us have that gift of leadership to be able to organize in our brain, plan, and project things. 
gifts and every single gift this morning it is important your gift is important whatever part god has given to you it is important your gift is important to build to edify to build up the body of christ and that list has i don't know how many items on there but i think every one of you in here you have more than half of the things listed you have so many gifts inside of you and now that we know and maybe we're getting a clue of gifts now it's time to do something different right so second timothy 1 5 says this second timothy 1 5 remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother lois and your mother eunice and i know that same faith continues strong in you this is why i remind you fan into flames the spiritual gift god gave you when i laid my hands on you for god has not given us a spirit of fear timidity but a power love and self discipline and i love this and just in these few short couple verses so many things that paul says to timothy number one he states look at what grandma mom mama did and mom they passed on the faith that they had learned notice dad's not mentioned notice grandpa's not mentioned it's because they're secular because they didn't believe grandma took it upon herself she became a believer grandma mom 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 she became a believer what did she do she passed it on to her daughter what did her daughter do even though she had a husband who didn't believe what did she do she passed it on to her son who was her son timothy timothy paul sees this young man he sees him and he says wow this kid is gifted he's amazing and he reminds them, remember the gift that was passed on to you. And that's a good question to ask ourselves. What am I passing on to my kids? What am I passing on to the young people in my life? Because if we're not parents, there's still kids in our life, right? Even though we're not parents, some of us, we, we have young people in our life. What am I passing on? What am I giving on? What is coming in and out of me that I give to other people? That's a projection every single day. Grandmama and mom, they passed on faith. And Paul says to them, you have to fan into flames. You have to stir it up, another translation states. What does that mean, fan into flames? What does that mean to stir it up? It means the gifts are given, but it's not automatic how you use them. The gifts are given, the gifts of the Spirit are given by God, but it's, they don't come out automatically. So what was Paul saying? fan into flame you have to learn to develop the gifts you have to learn how to cultivate the gifts god has gifted all of us and everyone in here this morning i believe that all of us again we are hemet's finest in here right this is the mvps and the finest of hemet seneseno and val vista wherever we come from god has gifted us we are gifted people but sometimes the challenge is, even though we may be gifted, see, sometimes we look to God thinking everything needs to be automatic. Right? Remember my offering verses? How many of us pray for money, but how does the Bible say to get money? You got to give before you receive. You have to honor before you get back, right? And so, but usually we're not praying, God help me to give. It's no, just God help me receive, right? How many of us pray for healing in our bodies? We pray for healing in our bodies, healing in our minds, and healing, healing, healing. But what precedes that? 
right? It was fear the Lord. Have learned to have a deep level of respect. God has gifted you this morning, just like he gifted Timothy, but he says you have to learn to fan into flames the gift. You have to learn to stir it up, or today's translation, you have to learn to develop those gifts. Develop what God has put in you. Timothy found himself, believe it or not, even though he had a great grandma, great mom, he found himself in difficult times. Difficult times. And I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a difficult time. You know why? Because he was a Christian preacher, teacher, leader, he was young. And because he was young, you know what? Older people looked down on him. I don't know if you know, and let's be honest, all of us can be prideful. But sometimes older people look down upon younger people. What he or she going to teach me? They haven't lived as long as I have, right? And so Timothy, he found himself being persecuted for two things. Turn to and say, two things. One was his age. And sometimes it's hard to inspire an older, prideful person because they've learned it all. Now, kind of like me, you know, me and my, my older sister, Chrissy, we used to fight all the time because both of us were know-it-alls, right? And so she knew it all, I knew it all, and so we fought all the time. And then I got saved and I realized, okay, I don't know it all, right? I don't know it all. But Timothy is a young man, and I've learned this in my, my life, and I still see it today that sometimes older people have a hard time listening to a younger person. How many of us have ever gotten frustrated with our kids because they're on devices all the time? That frustration can go away the second you need to learn how to do something. And then when you have to turn to your kid and humble yourself and say, can you show me how to do a text message? <laughs> Just kidding, because I know all of you know how to do a text message. But how many of us, let's be honest, we see kids living on our devices and we're so mad and we're so angry and we get da 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 But the second and the minute we need them, what happens? We gotta humble ourselves to say, can you teach me? Can you show me? And then once they do, we go back to being mad at them again because they're on their phone again. <laughs> Secondly, Timothy was being persecuted because he was associated with Apostle Paul. Oof. And I think all of us in this room, we can, we can see and hear the persecution, one for our age sometimes. If we're young and we have a good amount of you know, gifts and talents that we offer the world, sometimes there's persecution in that. And then secondly, sometimes we can be persecuted who we're associated with. If all of us this morning, now yesterday, Kim and I were having a great conversation as we went to Idlewell, and as we're driving down the road, we saw about 10 people holding up signs about, you know, Jesus, right? And it was, turn from your sin. And, and so we, you know, we waved. We were nice. But the question is, if Jesus was really here, knowing the New Testament and what he did, would he be hanging up a sign or would he be sitting next to the homeless? Right? And so we could, yes, we can hang up a sign and it could look nice and shiny and pretty, but that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Who would he be associated with? Probably most people that we're not associated with this morning. Timothy found himself being persecuted because of his age, because he associated with Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was an amazing man. This guy was gifted. He was talented. But believe it or not, he had some haters. 
Just like some of us in here this morning, right? We all have some haters. And then Timothy, Paul says, there is no need for a new revelation. And I don't know if you've ever heard this. See, I've been in the church many years, and I can't tell you how many times, I need a new revelation. I need a new this. I need a new this. And it's kind of like, you know, getting old shoes, and they're, they're worn out, and I need a new pair of shoes, but you say that every single day. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong, okay? If you need a new pair of shoes every day, that, that, that's your thing, that's your thing, right? But sometimes there are Christians who say, I need a new, 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 I need There's got to be a new teaching out there. There's got to be a new this out there. There's got to be a new this. There's got to be a new, you know, laser beam, this, this, this. And so Paul was saying to him in that language, you don't need to look for anything new. You need to look within with what's already in there and allow it to come out. Stop looking around and look within and allow it to come out. And then lastly, and I love how he said this, he said, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. And that word can be translated two ways. That word spirit, most of us would read that and say, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Spirit of God. He didn't give us the Holy Spirit isn't, you know, full of fear or timidity. But you know what the word is also translated? Ready? Attitude. God didn't give you a bad attitude. God didn't give you a bad attitude. Even though we wake up, it can be a little grouchy, and life doesn't go our way, and things and bad stuff happen, you know, accidents happen, bad things happen. God has not given us a bad attitude. Believe it or not, in the original language, translated two things, your attitude matters. And your attitude should not be full of fear, and your attitude should not be timid. Now, when we want to learn something new, let's be honest, if there's something that God wants me to do new and different, if there's something new at work, new at home, if there's something, you know, for me, there's a lot, been a lot of new in my life, I have to admit, because many of you know, I used to not want to cook, not want to clean, right? Who, who, who wants to do those things, right? <laughs> But I had to learn, hey, see, now when I was young, the only job my mom gave me was the vacuum. So, hey, if there's a vacuum involved, I'm there, okay? So I had to learn. I had to be transformed into understanding, hey, I can help cook. I can help clean. Thank you, God, right? <laughs> boop, boop, <laughs> right? There's something to be thankful for. There's things, there's attitudes that sometimes we could allow us to be intimidated. There's people, people in our lives. How many of us know people that they are very intimidating people? They're mean, they're angry, they stink. Okay, and if they stink, I get it. We just take it, we stay away from them, right? So Paul says to Timothy two things, the Holy Spirit. That spirit translated two ways, it is an attitude. And the attitude that God has given to every one of us, the attitude is to not be afraid. And the attitude is to not be timid. But the attitude and the Holy Spirit 
translated, that God has given to us is love, power, a sound mind, or self-discipline. And those three things, they are extremely important. How you live your life, love, and power, and self-discipline. Those three things are super important. Self-discipline, I can't say enough. To learn how to live my life with guardrails. I need to live with guardrails. What I say, what I do. I'm better at guardrails on what I do sometimes. Sometimes when I fight with my wife, the guardrails come off, and things I say sometimes are not so nice. So though I can live my life in a very godly manner sometimes, but when we like to fight, well, we don't like to fight, but it happens once in a while. Just once in a while. Once in a while, and it's not good. But self-discipline to learn I have to stop myself from what I'm about to say. I need to stop myself from what I'm about to do. I need to stop myself. And to illustrate, to stir it up this morning, to illustrate fan into flames this morning just a little bit more, we're going to go to Acts chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. And in the name of Jesus, Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Peter took the lame man by the right hand, and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up. He stood on his feet. He began to walk, walking, leaping, praising God. And he went into the temple with them. Verse 9, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And so this morning as we break this down, it's kind of funny. Peter, Jesus gave the name Rock. I don't know if you ever heard of the guy, The Rock, right? Is there a guy out there named The Rock who's kind of a movie star kind of guy, right? But the original Rock was Peter. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's Peter. And guess what? It's not Dr. Oz, it's Dr. Love. John, the two guys, you had The Rock and you had Love. So you had The Rock, the original, the man, the myth, the legend, Peter, who is The Rock. And next to him, you had Dr. Love. What a combination, right? Everywhere they went, you had a rock, steadfast, strong. Peter was ready to chop your ear off in any second, right? But on the other hand, then you had John being, I'm sorry he's so mean. I'm sorry he cut your ear off, right? I'm sorry. What a great combination. These two men, Peter was older and John was younger. John was younger, and he was consumed with a life of love. Peter, as we know, he was the crazy, cr crazy cursing sailor, right? He was crazy. He was awesome. He was amazing. And so these two men, what did they do after Jesus left? They hung out together all the time. An older man and a younger man. See, most of us, if we look at our friendships, for the most part, we have friends generally in the same age group. 
kind of close, right? Don't we have most of our friends are kind of, you know, five, maybe five to eight year plus range, right? You go too young and they're just too wacky, right? You go too old and they go to bed too early, right? And so you had these two guys and it speaks one thing, generationally, Together, even though they were different ages and stages of their life, even though spiritually their gifts and talents were different, they were there for each other, they learned for each other, and then they inspired one another. Dr. Love and The Rock. And as they get to the temple, they were going to church. Turn to your and say they were going to church. They encountered a man who was lame from birth. Someone who was broken, his body, whether it happened at birth, inside the womb, or during the process, he came out and he couldn't move. And so this man, lame, not a lame person, but he was lame, physically handicapped, and he had issues. And because he was born like that, there was only one occupation that he could do in his life, or at least that's the only occupation that he felt like he could do in life. And so sometimes, as we just think of that word being lame from birth, as we think about how at that time, there was only one job you could do, and that is be a beggar. How many of us have realized in our life and in our time that maybe we haven't been born with physical defects, but maybe they're spiritual, mental, emotional defects that we were born with. You know, in the very, very beginning, and this blows me away, and I love this about God. What did he do? He created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, he created them, and they were 100% good. Turn to your neighbor and go, they were 100% good. But the minute, the minute they decided to play with the devil, you know what happened? They became good and evil. The minute Adam and Eve played with the devil, they played chess and lost. The minute they did that, they became consumed now good and evil. And so the Bible says everyone born after them, we all can be good, let's be honest, and we all can be a little naughty, right? So, so we're not physically this morning, none of us have been physically born with a lameness, with a physical ailment, but I wonder how many things were we born with that were passed on to us that emotionally, physically, mentally, maybe spiritually, there could be a lameness. And there could be something inside of us that we say, you know, like this man, his occupation, this is the only thing that I can do because this is how I was born. And there's so many people today, this is the mindset that they have. This is the only thing that I can do because this is how I feel, this is how I think, this is how I was born. And so it's one-sided, one-sided, one thought, one mind, one way. If this is how I feel, this, then it has to be. If this is how I think, this is how it has to be. If you're lame from birth and it's hard to get around, yes, it would be extremely difficult to find a job. It would be extremely difficult to play baseball. It'd be extremely different, hard to be a contractor. It would be hard for many jobs. But could he find a different job than being a beggar? Absolutely. But what's the easy way to do? I can sit on my butt that I can't feel because it's numb and it's gone and I can beg all day. And that's what he did. And I love how he says to them, do you have any silver or gold? Do you got any money? Ah, how many of us have been asked that in our lifetime? You got any money? You got any money, honey, right? You got any money? 
How many of us would go to the store? Can you spare a quarter? And I love it. The, the message from these guys has changed. It used to be, you know, you got a dollar or this or that. And lately, all I've heard is, can you just spare some coins? Like, it's much easier in their mind. And they know if they're asking me for a couple coins, I could probably just give up a couple coins. It used to be, it seemed like for a while, it was, do you got a buck? A buck's more than a couple coins, right? And so... We hear this all the time, just as this man says to them, can I get some money? And I love in this moment, this is one of the most powerful moments in this story, because he says to the man, silver and gold, buddy, silver and gold, he goes, I don't have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Now, honestly, think about this for a second. I'm not saying he's lying, but if they're going to the temple, I'm thinking he could have some coins on him, right? But what does he say? Silver and gold have I not, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. So what he really was saying was, silver and gold I do have, but it's not what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you something what you want, and I'm going to give you something that you need. And here's the most powerful thing. Every day we have interactions with people, and they come to us and they say, these are my needs. These are my wants. Just like this man, he wanted money. Just because we're being asked for money, just because we're being asked for this, just because we're being asked for that, does not mean that our first response needs to pull out the wallet, right? Doesn't mean that our first response is, let's just give them a hug and just send them on their way. Maybe there's something deeper in that moment. Maybe there's something deeper in that moment, because how many of us have passed people like this every single day, and as soon as they ask for something, our first response is, yep, and send you on your way. Maybe there's something deeper in our interactions that God wants to do for the homeless, for the people that we interact with every single day. And seeing that, Peter, what did he do? The most important thing in Peter's life, it, see, it wasn't silver and gold. Silver and gold is important. That's how we pay our bills, right? Silver and gold, yes, it, it is important. We have to do this. We have to do that. But see, for Peter, and even back then, they had bills. They had taxes. They had all the same things that we do now, right? Maybe at a smaller level. But the thing is, for Peter, he didn't want to give him what he had. He wanted to give him what was important to him. What was important to Peter? It was Jesus. It was Jesus. The most important thing that I have in my life, it's Jesus. The number one thing that I can help people with in my life, it's Jesus. The number one thing that I can do for you, that you can do for me, we can share Jesus with each other. These source of life. We all have different gifts. We all have different talents. And the most important thing that Peter said in this situation, I could give you something in what you're asking for, but it's not, not really going to help you. But what I am about to give you, which is the most important thing to me, it's going to blow your mind. And that's where God needs us to get to as we learn to fan into flames, as we learn to develop and cultivate the gifts that he has put into us. We're not here just to put band-aids on people, but we're here to blow their minds with the power of the gospel in Jesus Christ. And so he says to the man, get up and walk. How does the man get up and walk? He's never done that before. How do we do something that we've never done before? Uh, I can't do that. I'm not good at it. I can't do that. I don't have the strength for that. I can't do that. It's not my gift. It's not my talent. Baloney, you got it. You just haven't developed it. Right? 
How does this lame man, he says, get up and walk. He's never done those two things in his life. He's never got up before. He's never been able to pull himself off the ground. He's never walked before. He's seen people get up and walk every single day, but he's never done it for himself. There's things in your life God is saying, I want you to get up and do it. And we're saying, but I've never done it before. I've never led before. I've never done this before. I've never prayed and seen somebody be healed before. I've never, I've never, I've never, I've never. And God is saying it just like Peter. It's time to get up. It's time to develop. It's time to cultivate. It's time to move beyond what we feel and let those gifts be reflected everywhere we go and say and do. Get up and walk. You know, for the man of this story, believe it or not, he wasn't allowed into church. Isn't that a shame? Because he was lame? Because he was paralyzed? He couldn't go to church. His life was a reflection of being left out. His life, it wasn't his color. It wasn't his age. It wasn't his occupation. It was, he was physically lame and paralyzed. And so he was rejected all of his life. He was left out all of his life. Every single day, he could not walk into the temple and pray. He could not get in there because of his condition. And you know what's sad? Sometimes as Christians, man, we've done this to so many people. You're not allowed in here. Whoo, no way. You need to clean up, bro. You need to clean up, sis, right? We have scared away millions. Google the church. Catholics and Christians, they are so far in decline. Why? Because for years, you got to clean up and you got to look like me and you got to sound like me and you got to walk and quack like I do. And so, you know what? Younger people and some people and even a little older people are like, well, maybe I don't want to dress like that. Maybe I don't want to sound like a, a Christian. You know, there's people that we know if you barely tap them on the back, they belch a Bible verse. And, and at times, that's, that's great. But maybe that's not what God wanted you to do. We're not meant to look like each other. We're meant to look like him. And for this man in the story, it's sad because he was rejected and left out all of his life. Until one day, one man with his good buddy, Dr. Love. We're not going to give this man what he's asking. We're going to give this man what he needs. And he needs Jesus. This man who was stuck on the outside represents so many people in our world today. They're stuck on the outside of the church, begging to get in, wanting, but they've been rejected so many times. They've been left out so many times. They've been hurt so many times. This man in this story represents how many people are stuck on the outside, waiting, looking, hoping to meet one person like the rock, one person like Dr. Love, who says, you know what? I'm here for you. You know what? I'm going to stop right now, and I'm going to be here for you. You know what? I am here. I'm not going to leave you out anymore. And what's amazing part of the story, immediately as he was stuck, Peter reached out his hand, because sometimes we do have to give somebody a hand. Even though he said, get up and walk, he didn't, not until Peter helped him up. There are times in the Bible where Jesus said something to somebody, and they did it. But there are other times 
the hand is extended. When Peter, one member, walk on water, he began to seek. What happened? Jesus had to reach out his hand. There are times, yes, when there's a command, when there's something we know to do. Yes, we get it, we do it, we're going to get it done. And there's other times in life where, you know what? God puts people in your life where you have to give them the hand, where you have to put your hand out just like he did. Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is everything. Jesus is. It says in Colossians, Jesus is the visible reflection of the invisible God that we don't see. God the Father that we don't see sent his son Jesus to be a visible picture. What's God like? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What's God like? Read all the wonderful, amazing things that God did when he was here. Who did he eat with? Who did he hang out with? What was he like? What was his first miracle? He turned water into wine. What kind of God? This is crazy and amazing, right? His first miracle, what did he do? Water into wine. What is God like? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see what he's like by seeing Jesus. Jesus is the reflection. And see, many things, and it's sad, many people are left out because in many times, because of our busyness, because of our attitude, because of our pride, and because sometimes we're not self-disciplined with our mouth, we push people out. And we reject people without realizing it. I've done it. Maybe you have too. This isn't the confession hour, but I'm just saying. How many of us have pushed people away, and even from God, and even from Jesus, the source and giver of life, because we're not being a good reflection of him? We're going to start to wrap up this morning, and we're going to kind of wrap up with some of the end verses to our text this morning, which was Acts there it is, 3.12. And it says, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what's so surprising about this? Why stare at us as though we've had this, that we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? It is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant by doing this, this is the same Jesus who you handed over, rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. Verse 14, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demand the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses, and I love this, of this fact. Notice how Peter didn't say we're witnesses of this thought, we're witnesses of this feeling. No, we are witness that God was raised from the dead. This is a fact. Through faith, in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And then we skip to verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, the rock and Dr. Love, for they could see that they were ordinary men, no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized, man, these guys have been with Jesus. What does being with Jesus do for us? And what does being with Jesus do for us? What is being with Jesus? What is hanging around Jesus? What is hanging around Jesus, people? What does it do for us? Well, for Peter and John, 
men who were normal, hardworking, semi-decent men, fished for a living. They had no special training. They didn't go to Bible school. They didn't, dig it. They didn't get a degree in, in the Bible. But man, when they spent time with Jesus, they turned the world upside down. They learn to fan into flames the gift that God has given to me. They learn to stir it up. And so Peter, as Peter always does, what did he do in this moment? He sees the moment. They're all wondering what happened. This guy was so crippled. What happened? What did he do? He preached a sermon. He sees the moment. Peter is always seizing the moment. And so this morning as we start to wrap up and we have closing words in our head, seize the moment in which God gives you. He gives them to us every single day, every single week. Seize the moment. And if your gift is to pray for healing, don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Pray that someone gets healed in Jesus' name. It doesn't have to be a 30-minute prayer. It doesn't have to be, you know, 10 different Bible verses in English and Spanish and Greek and German. Just simply pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, they be healed. If you come across a sick person, just pray. Can I pray for you? If you come across an atheist, don't argue and smack him in the face and say you're dumb for not believing. Give them a word in Jesus' name. Pray for them in Jesus' name. Seize the moment as Peter did in this story. Seize the moment. Because we will never, ever be able to achieve and accomplish our God-given purpose until you step into the gift that God has given to you. What is your purpose? God knows. What is your purpose? You and God should know. What is your purpose? Why are you here? And lastly, sometimes we got to learn to practice. What did Peter and John do? They practiced in our story today. What did Paul say to Timothy? You got to practice. Don't think, don't think you have the desire to preach and then you never study and you never train and you just walk up on the stage and just babbling on like a fool. No, you got to develop the gift, right? We have to learn to practice, 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 practice. So my title again this morning was stirring it up, stir it up, and we're going to stir it up this morning. How many of us, I don't know if you've ever seen what this device is. This would be called a lighter, right? Now, if we were to look at the lighter, and this is kind of an odd example, like the Trinity, you do have the lighter as a whole, which is God the Father. There's something on the inside which is bringing fuel, the Holy Spirit. And then you have the reflection, which is Jesus Christ. And now this morning, most of us, if we've ever used lighters for all good things, we usually just, right? Now, and that's good, right? It's good. I mean, if all you need is a little light, hey, if all you need is a little light, right? It's right here, right? If all you need is a little light right here. You see, for some of us, see, in our gifts, we're not even flicking the switch. And we're just, oh, but wait a second. Ooh, got some good cheap hairspray. Rave. 
The tragedy is, this morning, you're not turning it on. But the even bigger tragedy is, man, you're not letting the Holy Spirit use that jet fuel, baby, that really expands. <laughs> right? Like, second example this morning. I got some water. Got a clear glass. Got a spoon. Emergency, if anybody's got a cold or cough, right? You make sure you take your emergency. How many of us have ever taken something that is powder and put it into a glass? Now, if you put something powdery into a glass, most of the stuff, when you put in a liquid, this morning I used Aquafina, and anyone is welcome to this glass, but I have to say there's still some hairspray up here, so I don't know if it's going to, you know, still go into here. But... If you notice, there's stuff on the bottom. And that's where we've let the gifts of God lay this morning. They're at the bottom. We've letting the gifts of God go to the bottom this morning. And see, we're not letting the Holy Spirit stir it up. Stir it up. This drink, man, it's best when you stir it up. And this drink is so good for you. What? When you stir it up. This drink, it tastes better. What? When you stir it up. So our title this morning, our title this morning was, It's Stir It Up and It's Time. I think this morning many of us in here, we don't see the gifts that God has placed inside of us. And just like Paul had to say to Timothy, I know you're a little timid and afraid because people are persecuting you. You're young. I know that you're a little timid because people don't like that you hang out with me, that you know me. I know that people don't like you, and they're persecuting you, and they say you're a bad leader, bad boy. <laughs> he says, don't be afraid because what God's put in you, it's not fear. What you have in yourself is fear, but it didn't come from God. What God has put in you, it isn't new. It's already there. It just needs to be developed. It needs to be stirred up. The list that you have this morning, there are so many gifts that God has given to you. You are born with the gifts. You are gifted. Having exceptional talent, having exceptional physical or spiritual ability this morning, you have all of it. And you are exceptional people. You are gifted people. But we have to let God stir it up inside of us. And we have to, if it's cheap hairspray, make sure, whatever it may be, that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to take it just from the little light and expand it into explosion. Because what does 1 Acts 1.8 say? When the Spirit comes upon you, be filled with power. And when you move in your gift, when I was a kid, I didn't know that this is where my life was heading. As a kid, all I wanted to do was play, have fun, do damage, and laugh, right? As a kid, I had no idea where my gifts were. But as the older I got and as I got saved and God put this on my heart to be this, it was something I never did before. It was something I never did before. I didn't like public speaking. I didn't like speaking in the classroom. I didn't like doing homework, of all things. I didn't like any of that. I didn't like to study. I didn't like to read. I just wanted to play, right? As a kid, all I wanted to do was play. I just wanted to have fun, right? So this, for me, was something new and different. Do I rely then on what John knew 
Or did I have to learn to rely on him and what God knows in this and what he has for me? This morning, it may feel new and different what God has asked you to do, and it's okay. Don't be afraid of new and different what may feel new and different to you. Rely on the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will bring it out. Well, go out with your bad self, your exceptional, gifted, talented self this morning, and stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. All right, we love you all. You're dismissed. Have a beautiful Sunday.